The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. My guess is, just all of us talking right now, my guess is DeSantis says, wait a second, why do I go to the meat grinder that chewed up and spit out 16 Republicans politically? Why don't I let Trump run again? I'll serve out my term. I'll end up with, you know, 80% approval ratings among Republicans. And then in 26, I just opened my presidential campaign and I don't have to even take on Deal with this. Yeah. the champ. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's probably what he's thinking in Tallahassee because I think he knows he does not want to cross Donald Trump on a debate stage. I thought uh, Trump was finished. Seems like two seconds ago, these these very people were telling us that it's over. It's over. He was behind the disaster at the midterms. He's uh, Mar-a-Lago, the raid. He's going to prison. His taxes. Every once in a while, they reveal just how fraudulent they are. They reveal just how, how, how much fakery there is. From one day to the next. You're listening to Stephen Flurry. This is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can get to the live video stream of this show through our website, thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live. And you can watch it live every day at 11 a.m. here in the central time zone of the United States. Or if you choose, you can listen or watch on demand. You can get all of that at our website as well, the podcast, that is. So hard to believe we're at the last program of this work week. Friday is upon us. We're coming into a Sabbath weekend, which is always nice around here, here at headquarters. Uh, Of course, we have a sister campus at Edstone, and we connect uh, every day, or at least I do, with, uh, with, well, every other day, I guess, with the Epistles of Paul class. So it's always good to see them. We've got actually a couple of students in Jerusalem at the moment as well. So we're spread across three nations, three continents uh, right now. This small, this small little college, hard to believe how, how many opportunities that uh, God gives to our young people. So Trump, it's almost like we should put together a montage of how many times Joe himself, Joe Scarborough, smoking Joe Scarborough, how many times he's said, that Trump is finished. That would be interesting to watch because really what you saw there in that opening, uh, that opening statement is an admission that uh, Trump's not going away and that uh, DeSantis really shouldn't mess with him in uh, 2024. He might as well just uh, wait until 2028. Was that Joe Scarborough admitting that Trump's coming back? You could almost make that case. What we do know about the current, the, the fake president, that would be Joe Biden, We've been saying it now for the last two weeks that uh, Barack Obama is finished with Biden. He's done with Biden. All, and they're, they're trying to take him down with, of all things, the classified documents scandal. And it is scandalous, but like Tucker Carlson pointed out last night, of all the crimes 
that the Biden people are responsible for. This? This is how he goes down? Listen to Joe Biden yesterday as he tried to defend himself and what he's done with all these, these classified or top secret documents in some cases. Clip one. As we found, uh, we found a handful of documents were failed uh, or filed in the wrong place. We immediately turned them over to the archives and the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. The most astonishing thing about that comment is him saying, I have no regrets. I have no regrets. It's the mentality in these people, Alec Baldwin, who kills that poor woman on the set of that movie they were doing a year and a half ago. And he rushes to the interview with George Stephanopoulos to say, it wasn't my fault. I didn't pull the trigger. I didn't, I, they gave me a gun. They said it was empty. They just don't accept responsibility for anything that they do. I have no regrets. What a telling statement that is. If, so I guess if you had it to do over again, you just take the top, se top secret documents and throw them into the garage where Hunter's living and, and all of his druggy, drug addict friends and the prostitutes, they're just coming in and out of the, the facility. No problem. I have no regrets, he says. You're not going to find anything there. Well, they've already found it there. They've already found the documents. We don't know everything that's in the documents yet. But they're classified. They're top secret in some cases. And so the press, of course, they're, they're beginning to turn on this administration too, badgering the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, asking her over and over again, well, you know, what about these, these documents? Listen to this montage we put together. This is number three. Are you being directed by someone to not be forthcoming on this issue? I'm, I have been forthcoming from this podium. What I uh, said yes to was what the statement at the time that we all had. Right, you all had the statement, uh, and I was repeating what the what the uh, council was sharing at that time. That turned out to be false. Are you sorry about that? I'll see you tomorrow. Come talk to me. Questions that you should be able to answer here that shouldn't have to go to any other agency or entity. Can you tell us if there's any sort of assessment that has been planned or launched? to determine if national security has been jeopardized at all. Again, that's for the Department of Why Justice. Why is it a DOJ and, and question? And let's be clear, it's not your decision to make of what I can or can't answer from here. What I am telling you is that we are respecting the process. We are being prudent from here. We have been very consistent to say that you need to go to the Department of Justice. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. I already answered your question. Go ahead. Well, I, I did. No, well, it's your it's your opinion. It's your opinion. It's your opinion. That is your opinion. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, since so many of our questions have been referred to the DOJ and to the White House Counsel's Office, I'm sure you can understand that we're in sort of information <laughs> blackout where DOJ refers us to the special counsel. They're not holding any briefings. White House Counsel refers us to DOJ. So. If you are not able to talk about this from the podium, would you invite a DOJ official to take our questions here uh, to the briefing? No, you would have to go to the Department of Justice. That is, uh, he wants to make sure that we give back the independence that the Department of Justice should have when it comes to these types of uh, investigations. So certainly would not be bringing them here. 
There's the Washington Press Corps finally, finally asking some uh, some good questions. But they, as you see there, you can't get any answers. They refer you over to the DOJ or then to the special counsel. It's just like it's on a continuous loop. Nobody, nobody will come forward and speak in a forthcoming manner, despite what she says. She says, we're being open, we're being honest, we're being transparent. The one guy says, are you sorry? You gave us, you gave us bad information. Do you regret it? I, going by the fake president's statement, I'm, I'm assuming she would say, I have no regrets. We have no regrets. CNN, the, the failing news company, they're getting out of their Atlanta headquarters, downsizing, firing people. CNN, the media, and of course, they've been in the tank for Joe Obama uh, for years, just carrying water for Barack Obama. And now the fake president, their media reporter, his name is Oliver Darcy. He put this out in his newsletter yesterday. He says, that is, uh, according to conversations I, I had on Wednesday with more than ha a half dozen White House reporters who pointed or rather painted a picture of a White House press corps that has grown exasperated with Jean-Pierre and does not believe she is well-equipped to handle their inquiries. It says the reporters who asked not to be identified in order to speak freely pointed to Jean-Pierre's insistence on sticking to talking points and an episode last week where a key assertion she made from the podium ultimately did not hold up. She is arguably the least effective White House press secretary of the television era, one veteran White House reporter told me on Wednesday. The worst in, since the TV era started. These are the White House journalists, the press corps. If you're losing them, if you're losing CNN, what does that say? Well, Obama, as I say, he's pulled the plug. And some of them are getting the, the memo. It's still, though, it's still, like Tucker points out, to, to get him on this, the reason for it, well, let me not get ahead of myself. First, listen, I say, if you lose CNN, listen to this uh, reporter from uh, NPR, clip two. I mean, I think that there's a frustration, I can say, generally speaking, I hope I'm not overgeneralizing amongst many reporters, because there has been, I think, um, a sense that there was that the White House has not been as forthcoming as journalists would like with the information and the timeline. I mean, the first batch of documents were discovered shortly after the midterms. That was not disclosed until CBS broke the story. And so you lose CNN, you lose NPR. <laughs> these are these are the arms of the communist wing, the the media arms of the communist government. And so they they're abandoning Joe Biden. Now, let me get to Tucker's segment uh, from last night. This is his opening monologue, and he starts in with uh, Joe Biden, how Obama, well, he doesn't really go as far as we have gone. He doesn't bring in, he's talking more about the administrative state, the deep state, how they're, they're pulling the plug, you know, I guess the system. We go straight to the source, Barack Hussein Obama. He's the one running uh, permanent government. He's the one that weaponized so many of the, those agencies, or at least more so than they've been weaponized in the past. We'll get into some important history here in just a second. But first, uh, this from Tucker, clip six. Permanent Washington does not want Joe Biden to run for president again. This is how they're sending that message. 
Even CNN has decided to become interested in Joe Biden's misdeeds two years into his presidency. They're doing segments on how classification laws protect this country from its mortal enemies like Russia. So you know for certain the order has gone out. Biden is done. What a missed opportunity this is. If you're looking for crimes that Joe Biden has committed, there is a very long list. Our country is being invaded. The world is on the brink of nuclear war. American cities have become slums. Our economy is in shambles. Even our airplanes no longer take off on time. It's a disaster. And Joe Biden and his staff have a hand in all of it. But the the point Tucker goes on to make is that this is the way they can take out Biden alone and not bring down others in the deep state because there's others involved in these other disastrous events. So many others. But they get him on the documents. He's got a stack of documents. And that, that, that takes out Biden alone and it protects permanent Washington, as Tucker says. It protects Barack Obama as well. Yeah, he's got those documents. So Biden's going to have to take the fall. He's going to have to take one for the team. Tucker goes on from that and then gets into some history that we've covered a lot before ourselves. Great Again first came out in uh, 2015 or 16, I think it was. And uh, I'll come to some quotes from that book in in just a second. Let me play the next uh, clip here from Tucker, though, from last night, clip seven. So if you want to understand, if you really want to understand how the American government actually works at the highest levels, and if you want to know why they don't teach history anymore, one thing you should know is that the most popular president in American history was Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon. Yet somehow, without a single vote being cast by a single American voter, Richard Nixon was kicked out of office and replaced by the only unelected president in American history. So we went from the most popular president to a president nobody voted for. Wait a minute, you may ask, why didn't I know that? Wasn't Richard Nixon a criminal? Wasn't he despised by all decent people? (laughs) No, he wasn't. In fact, if any president could claim to be the people's choice, it was Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon was reelected in 1972 by the largest margin of the popular vote ever recorded before or since. Nixon got 17 million more votes than his opponent. Less than two years later, he was gone. He was forced to resign. And in his place, an obedient servant of the federal agencies called Gerald Ford took over the White House. How did that happen? Some really fascinating history that uh, you've heard before. If you're a regular to this show, we had a a show back in 2017, I guess almost six years now, the real Watergate scandal. It's discussed at length in Great Again. And of course, I've referred you to this so many times over the years. This is He Was Right, our our free brochure. You can send this in. It, It chronicles the prophecies that Herbert Armstrong preached for more than five decades. And the title here, this particular chapter, The Communist Infiltration of America, was prophesied. So the communist infiltration, it certainly predates Barack Obama's presidency. The reason we draw so much attention to Obama, I mean, there's important history before that, what happened following 9-11 with the Patriot Act and so on, and even long before that with what Tucker was getting into last night. The communist infiltration, that's what Richard Nixon was resisting against. And that's why they took him out. In that case, it was permanent Washington, the deep state. 
the deep state of the 1970s, again, 2017, we had a, a TD that was before we went to the video format of this show, but you can listen to the audio still if you search for that, uh, that title, The Real Watergate Scandal. And he was right. We refer you to some of those quotes from 1956 to go back to one classic statement from Herbert Armstrong. But he was, he was talking about the communist infiltration back in the 1940s as well. Let me, let me give to you a quote from what Mr. Armstrong said soon after Nixon resigned. This is from uh, February 1974. It says, in the United States, we have, we have had Watergate. Almost the entire news media have done everything in their power to put Richard Nixon out of the presidency. He saw it for what it was, even in 1974. This is before some of these books have come out that have since exposed the real Watergate scandal. This is from Jeff Shepard back in 2015. And we've quoted from this before in some of our recent literature. But this is Herbert Armstrong in 1974. He says, They have tried him without a scrap of actual proof, but with every possible question and inference of guilt. They have influenced many millions. They have featured with great emphasis every possible question as to doubts and every opinion as to alleged presidential guilt while minimizing back on page 17 or page 33 every item in the president's favor. The, the system was rigged against the most, as Tucker rightly points out, the most popular president in U.S. history. He won in a landslide in 1972. Americans, they, they made their choice known. They cast their vote. And then he had to resign not long after that because of this attack. Listen to more of Tucker from last night, clip eight. Richard Nixon believed that elements in the federal bureaucracy were working to undermine the American system of government and had been doing that for a long time. He often said that. He was absolutely right. On June 23rd, 1972, Nixon met with the then CIA director Richard Helms at the White House. During the conversation, which thankfully was tape recorded, Nixon suggested he knew, quote, who shot John, meaning President John F. Kennedy. Nixon further implied that the CIA was directly involved in Kennedy's assassination, which we now know it was. Helms' telling response, total silence. But for Nixon, it didn't matter because it was already over. Four days before, on June 19th, the Washington Post had published the first of many stories about a break-in at the Watergate office building. Unbeknownst to Nixon and unreported by the Washington Post, four of the five burglars worked for the CIA. The burglars at the center of this scandal worked for the CIA. It sounds very similar to kinds of attacks we're seeing today with all of these FBI infiltrations, inciting January 6th, for example, creating this plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. This is, this is from 1972. Now, let me give you some, again, some of the writing at the, the trumpet. This goes back to uh, last summer. We had an article at, at the website, the 50-year anniversary of the Watergate scandal. Listen to what we wrote. This is by 1972, and it's quoting from uh, Jeff Shepard here. Shepard records, These radicals had gained control of the special prosecutor's office and weaponized it against Nixon, 
Hoogan exposes in his book, Secret Agenda, that it appears the radical left had also gained control of the CIA. As the scandal unfolded, the media framed the story to make Nixon look like an architect of lawlessness while ignoring the other facts of the case. It's just like Mr. Armstrong said back in 1974. There's an agenda. And Sam was even pointing out earlier this morning that some of our older journalists today, it's amazing to see, to see them in their younger years. Guys like Bob Woodward, and, and, and Tucker goes on to expose him in just a second. I'll play that for you. But it's some of the same people. They're still around. I mean, the communist infiltration is real. And Herbert Armstrong was spot on. It was happening back at the middle part of the 20th century. And, and Herbert W. Armstrong stood alone in proclaiming that. And anyone in government that would dare resist against this communist infiltration, well, it's not enough to try to beat them at the polls. You've got to destroy them. And you see many of the same tactics that they used to destroy Nixon. They've, they've used the same tactics to try to destroy Donald Trump. He just won't go away. He just won't go away. There's some, there's some definite unique differences between the attack on Nixon and the attack on, on Trump, but there's certainly some very distinct similarities as well. It says here, uh, Hogan explains how two of the plumbers, uh, how, these are the ones that broke into uh, that Watergate facility, Two of the plumbers, E. Howard Hunt and James McCord, were longtime CIA informants. We had this at the Trumpet last summer and had questionable loyalty to Nixon. It appears the CIA had its own agenda in infiltrating the president's investigation of the DNC. And it used these two men to undermine Nixon's plan to stop the communists. The CIA used contacts within the Secret Service to spy on Nixon in the Oval Office. They were privy to all the confidences of the administration. It says Carl Rosen wrote at Real Clear Politics, Consequently, the role of the Central Intelligence Agency in Watergate is now widely understood as deeper, more entrenched, controlling, and malign than was known in 1974. I mean, that's just what makes that comment Mr. Armstrong made in 1974, February of 1974. It was an article that appeared in The Plain Truth. It actually appeared a few months before the resignation of Nixon. I think I said it the other way around a moment ago. He resigned, I believe, in August of 1974. But here's Mr. Armstrong saying, Watergate's going on, and look, we're not getting the truth. Or if they do allude to some truth that might benefit Nixon, you know, it's way in the back of the newspaper, page 37. It was all about creating a narrative. It, the, scandal, the scandal goes right to the top, to Richard Nixon. He's the one that needs to be removed. Listen again to a bit from Tucker's monologue last night, clip uh, nine. The first of many dishonest Watergate stories was written by a 29-year-old Metro reporter called Bob Woodward. Who exactly was Bob Woodward? Well, he wasn't a journalist. Bob Woodward had no background whatsoever in the news business. Instead, Bob Woodward came directly from the classified areas of the federal government. Shortly before Watergate, Woodward was a naval officer at the Pentagon. He had a top secret clearance. He worked regularly with the intel agencies. At times, Woodward was even detailed to the Nixon White House, where he interacted with Richard Nixon's top aides. 
Soon after leaving the Navy for reasons that have never been clear, Woodward was hired by the most powerful news outlet in Washington and assigned the biggest story in the country. And just to make it crystal clear what was actually happening, Woodward's main source for his Watergate series was the deputy director of the FBI, Mark Felt. And Mark Felt ran, and we're not making this up, the FBI's COINTELPRO program, which was designed to secretly discredit political actors the federal agencies wanted to destroy. People like Richard Nixon. They wanted to destroy Nixon. And there's Tucker, too, exposing Bob uh, Woodward. It's probably the first time it was news to me that he wasn't even a journalist. He was a deep stater. A, a 1970s version. Deep state official. Came out of the Navy. Had all these connections with, uh, with intel agencies. And then the CIA director at the time. Quite a big reveal. This is from my father's book, Great Again. This came out in uh, 2016. Let me just quote this before we break. It says, President Nixon was a staunch opponent of communism, and the left hated him for it. I remember hearing educator Dr. Herman Hay making this point in 1980. He said that President Nixon actually had, had come to recognize a conspiracy to work communists into the new left in America, and that he broke it up. And then he quotes Dr. Hay. This is from 1980. You heard it here first. He was right, as our booklet says. Tomorrow's news today, as we often say with respect to our magazine, The Trumpet. He quotes Dr. Hay. And for that, Nixon was driven out of the presidency because a part of his plan involved preventing the far left from capturing the Democratic Party, and hence Watergate. That's all a part of the story that most people don't realize. Watergate was not an attempt to see who was at some party of the Democratic headquarters. It was far more serious. That's quoting Dr. Hay from 1980. And then my father says here, in great again, more evidence emerged recently backing up this view of what actually happened in the Watergate scandal. That's my father referring to books like Jeff Shepard's uh, from 1915. I forget where that hidden agenda, what year that came out, but you can find out those details in that article we had at the Trumpet website last summer, 50-year uh, anniversary of the Watergate scandal. The 800 number, if you want to order any of this literature that I've just mentioned, it's 1-866-930-3024. All of our literature is offered without cost or obligation. Just call our operators today and request, uh, in this case, request great again. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful, the good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. 
powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. We made the point in that Watergate article uh, at thetrumpet.com last summer. We made the point that it's important to uh, revisit that history because it really does illuminate what is happening in the United States today. When you see how that they're attacking Donald Trump, again, history in many ways is repeating itself. It's just that this time, heading up the movement, you've got the individual coming in the spirit of Antiochus prophesied in your Bible, and he is attacking not just Donald Trump. He's, attack, he's fundamentally transforming the United States of America. That's Barack Hussein Obama. The, the two books that we re I referred to, The Real Watergate Scandal, that's from 19, sorry, that's from uh, 2015. The other one's much older, Jim uh, Hoogan from 1984. He wrote Secret Agenda, and we quote from both of them in that article uh, last year at the website, also in grade again. I, I know we do the, the Jeff Shepard book in this, in this booklet, but probably the other one as well. But we wrote last summer, the real story here is stranger than fiction. Nixon was framed by the CIA, which had infiltrated the plumbers and Nixon's inner circle to make it look as though he were plotting to cheat in the, two, in the 1972 election. See, this time around, they, they said Donald Trump was plotting to cheat and, and that he did cheat in 2016. They saw it as illegitimate. Then he, he goes into the next election and he actually, doesn't he pull in 12 million more votes? And these people that say he's finished, you know, Paul Ryan and others that say he's a loser, these losers going on about Donald Trump, who's so popular Again, some similarities with what Nixon experienced in 1972. Just wildly popular. Nixon got 17 million more votes than his opponent. It's astounding. But it says here, the Federal Bureau of Investigations then buried evidence favorable to Nixon and doctored evidence that was incriminating. It says the whistleblower fed sensationalized fake information to the media to build a false narrative while the federal judiciary and prosecutors conspired to incriminate Nixon during the trial. It says here, it was the perfect setup. Every agency and branch of government were united in pulling off a coup d'etat against a duly elected president. It all happened right there, back there in the early 1970s. There's uh, Nixon's landslide victory from 1972. This article, again, our, 
our magazine, if you haven't uh, subscribed yet, the, the 800 number, 1-866-930-3024, will give you a free one-year subscription to The Trumpet. Of course, lots of the material that uh, we have in the magazine edition, we also post it at our website, thetrumpet.com, and you can visit that, of course, at any time. But that article from last summer, we quote from uh, Real Clear Politics, someone who, again, was referring to the new information that we now have on this important history surrounding Watergate. It says, if Hoogan and other Watergate revisionists are correct, then the scandal that toppled Richard Nixon from power was about much more than a third-rate burglary attempt, the wiretapping of the opposing party, or even a series of covert crimes ordered by a paranoid president. He says, secret agenda and its progeny force us instead to conceive of Watergate as a Cold War era power struggle between a duly elected president and the national security state, with Nixon as much a victim in the affair as he was a perpetrator. It says, in a time when legions of Americans believe in the existence of a deep state, getting the history of Watergate right takes, getting the history of Watergate right takes on new urgency. More and more people, of course, believe today. They see, I mean, if obviously it's being exposed, this deep state attack led, led by Barack Obama. It's being exposed a lot faster than the real Watergate scandal of the 1970s. That didn't happen in, in some cases. Dugan's book was, what, 1984? So that's a, a, over a decade later. And then Jeff Shepard's, his comes out, as I say, uh, seven, eight years ago. Let me play one final clip from Tucker last night on the show, clip 10. So those are the facts, not speculation. All of that actually happened. None of it's secret. Most of it actually is on Wikipedia. But no mainstream news organization has ever told that story. It's so obvious, yet it's intentionally ignored. And as a result, permanent Washington remains in charge of our political system. Unelected lifers in the federal agencies make the biggest decisions in American government and crush anyone who tries to rein them in. And in the process, our democracy becomes a joke. Joe Biden does not deserve our sympathy. He's being shafted, but don't weep for him. And yet the rest of us do deserve a better system, an actual democracy. When people nobody voted for run everything, you are not living in a free country. An excellent monologue last night on uh, Tucker's show. He talked there about how the media, the mainstream media, the talking heads, they just don't even, they don't even get this history right. They won't go back and look at it. They just want to blot it out. Well, as I say, we've certainly, we've certainly brought this history to your attention. This book again, great again. We produced it in 2016. Hard to, it seems like it wasn't that long ago, but it's hard to believe that this little book has been around now for seven years or so, my father wrote, Sirica was the presiding judge over the Watergate scandal. He colluded with prosecutors behind closed doors, and they worked everything out together. Judges and lawyers are supposed to remain separate, but Sirica worked with the prosecutors to bring Nixon down. Again, when you look at the similarities, they're, they're all in on it. The deep state, it's deep. My father says, Though he had no real idea of the scope of these activities, Richard Nixon did see through a lot of what these people were doing. He had stopped them, and they hated him for that. They were determined 
to take him down. Nixon went after some communists, and they didn't like that. The deep state didn't like it. So they, they set out to destroy him. That article from last summer, 50-year anniversary of the Watergate scandal, we wrote this. First, unlike Watergate, here's some important differences when you look at Watergate and then you look at the attack on America today. It says, unlike Watergate, a president was orchestrating treason and corruption on a grand scale. That president wasn't Trump. It's Barack Obama. Here you have a president behind the coup d'etat, or a former president, at least. He's really the, the real president today. He's done with Biden, for sure. It says, never before in U.S. history has the highest office in the land been used to commit the greatest acts of treason and betrayal. So now the fact that they're all in on it, I mean, it goes all the way all the way up to Barack Hussein Obama. Let me quote to you what my father wrote in America uh, under attack. If you don't have this one, of course, we refer to this all the time on this show. A great companion read to Great Again. But here's a quote from uh, America Under Attack. It says, Barack Obama spent his eight years as president advancing his agenda to weaken those democratic institutions and traditions in pursuit of his supreme stated goal of fundamentally transforming the United States of America. It says, after leaving office, Mr. Obama continued to pursue his goal. He spearheaded the effort to harm Donald Trump's Make America Great Again agenda, an effort that included illegally spying on him and impeaching him twice. He directed the radical left's treasonous battle to prevent Mr. Trump from being reelected at all costs. The United States entered its greatest political crisis ever on November 3rd, 2020. All of it revolves around... The rigged election. Election day, it says. To make Joe Biden president, the radical left flagrantly manipulated the nation's voting system. Let me switch back now to that article at the Trumpet from last summer, where we said the second key difference is that the radical left was unable to remove Trump from power, so it pulled off the biggest scandal ever, stealing the 2020 presidential election. It says the current illegitimate administration is tearing the country apart and the puppet master is still pulling the string behind the scenes. You see, like Tucker said in his segment last night, that the, the current illegitimate administration is responsible for so many crimes, for so much of so many of these disasters we see all around us. But they're going to get Biden on a documents scandal, papers, papers that he took with him from the White House, because then he alone takes the fall. Certainly not permanent Washington and certainly not Barack Hussein Obama. We'll come back uh, here in just a few moments and conclude today's show with uh, our Bible study segment. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. Are we living in the last days? Some dismiss the notion as fanatical, but world leaders and news analysts are issuing warnings that are becoming more and more dire. Could Bible prophecies about the last days actually be accurate? Our brochure can help guide you through the relevant news and history and help you compare these events to what the Bible says. 
Are We Living in the Last Days? This brochure is available for free right now at thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. On, uh, I believe it was Wednesday, on Wednesday's show, I referred you to the Hebrews booklet and uh, the section in there under the subhead, Patient Urgency. Patient Urgency. My father says, no matter how long we must wait to receive God's promises or to witness the return of Christ, our confidence should never fade. It says, Paul implored us to persevere, never ever giving up. Now, we went through some of those verses in Hebrews 10, where Paul reminded the brethren in Judea that, look, when you first came along into the truth, you are willing to subject yourself to quite a lot of persecution, and you did it with patient endurance, but don't let that, don't let that fade away. You've got to stay the course. You've got to finish. You've got to go forward. That's how he ends chapter 10. And, of course, that leads right into the section on uh, faith, all of these heroes of the Bible, and how that they were in pursuit of the promises of God. And some died, many, they all died, without having received the promises. It says that in Hebrews 11 and verse 13. They all had patient endurance. They all had uh, a patient sense of urgency. As well, this is again from the Hebrews booklet. It says, We need patience, but God will not tolerate us sitting back passively. There is a life altering difference between patience and passivity. God wants soldiers to move forward. He has no pleasure in the 95% of his people who have, who have drawn back. He wants us to go forward. We're soldiers for Christ. It says here, at a time when they should be out there warning the world of the coming nuclear holocaust. See, we should be warning this world uh, with a message like you have in He Was Right or, or Great Again or America Under Attack or, or any of these books and booklets that I refer you to on this, on this show. It says here, God commands us not to draw back, but to move forward through every obstacle He's looking for people who are confident and faithful the way he is. So again, patiently waiting on God. That doesn't mean to be passive, as my father brings out. It says, finally, we are his sons, and, he should, and we should be like our father. God will protect and strengthen you through any trial. So don't draw back when you face a challenge. Step out boldly in faith. Go forward boldly. In faith, and of course, God will give us that boldness, that strength, that courage, that confidence that we need. Notice Hebrews 3 and verse 1. It says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, uh, Jesus Christ. Consider him. Consider the, the living Christ. We discussed this this morning in Epistles class, going through Romans chapter 5, how that we're saved by the life of Christ. You don't hear that in the world of Christian religion. They tell you you're saved by his death. You're saved by his, his shed blood. Romans 5 teaches us that it's the shed blood of Christ that does remove that penalty that we've all earned because of our sins. It does reconcile us to the Father, that crucifixion, that death of God's Son. 
but it's the life of Jesus Christ that saves us. Read it for yourself in Romans 5 and verse 10. Here, Paul says, consider, consider this being, consider the resurrected Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God, the apostle of our profession, the head of the church, our advocate, our intercessor. Consider this being, down in verse 5, it says, And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken of after. But Christ, verse 6 says, as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. We've got to hold fast to that confident attitude and spirit that Jesus Christ always is projecting. And that's how we'll be if he is really and truly living in us. Christ in you. This is a great mystery. Paul said so in Colossians 1, verse 13. It says, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ. Verse 14 says, If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. We've got to hold fast to the beginning of our confidence. Here again, Paul is reminding brethren, some of them have been around for a number of years, He was reminding them of their, well, they counted the cost early on, and they turned their hearts to God through repentance and and belief, and they were filled with the Spirit of God after baptism and the laying on of hands, and they went forward confidently with Christ in them. But 1 Thessalonians 5 says that that Spirit dwelling in us, dwelling in true Christians, that it can be quenched. That's why we have to continually stir it up, like Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7. Stir up the power of God. Stir up the Spirit of God. How do you do that? Well, it's through fervent prayer, diligent study, occasional fasting, Christian fellowship. It's by living according to God's laws. Fill up on the Spirit of God. Notice this from Herbert Armstrong. He, he said this back in 1984. He said, God Almighty will intervene. He will prevent, entire, uh, he will prevent an entire cosmicide, but he will not intervene to stop the carnage until man has come to the very end of his rope. So long as man thinks he can save himself without God, the Eternal will let him go on trying. It says, God will not intervene until man's last hope is gone. God will never allow man to accuse him, saying, Your intervention was unnecessary and tyrannical. We could have saved ourselves if you had not used your arbitrary God power to intervene. So he really and truly is letting this civilization go on the way it's been going for 6,000 years until it's just right at the end of its rope until it finally comes to understand that there is no hope in man. As bad as it is today, looking at the United States as one big example, there's still a lot of people who think that this is salvageable, that we can somehow turn this around. 
with a politician or a movement. God wants for us to see that we've got, we've got to put confidence in him and him alone. We've got to look to the sure word of Bible prophecy. We've, we've got to consider the office of our, of our apostle, Jesus Christ. We've got to consider the role that he plays as the living head of this church. We've got to consider the other servants that God has worked through as apostles sent from God, ones like Herbert Armstrong. I referred you to he was right. Again, how can you get it so right decades and decades before, even before Watergate, even before we know the truth about Watergate, as I was saying in the first segment? Well, God gives us those insights, and Bible prophecy is sure, and we really can. We really can anchor our soul to that foundation and know that we're on a solid foundation because God set it. Notice Hebrews 4, chapter 4 and verse 14. Again, just to come back to this point about where we get our confidence. It says here in verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest. You see here again is the living Jesus Christ described here in verse 14 that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. He's passed into the heavens. He's at the right hand of God. The, the, the living Christ is who saves us, as I say. Hold fast to this profession. This is our profession. This is our work. This is what we're skilled at. This is what we're professionals in. It says in verse 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So he knows. I mean, he can identify with our weaknesses. He knows what it's like to resist against those pulls of the flesh. He did it to the point of sweating great drops of blood, the scriptures bring out. And he's right there as our advocate. 1 John 2 brings this out. He's right there pleading our case before the Father. What an environment to send our prayers into. A royal environment, the God family environment, God's family throne. You mean we can actually commune with that God being, our Father in heaven, and Jesus Christ the Son? We can, and we should. And it should be every day. And it, for, it should be for long periods of time. That's where we get our confidence in God. That's where we get our real spiritual strength. Verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, it's up to us, isn't it? We, we have, a, I mean, we have a, a, a role to play here. We've got to go boldly before that throne of grace. The Moffat translation says, Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the hour of need. We really can approach God and this throne of God with boldness, with confidence, my father wrote in the coworker letter, this is the last one he sent out in 2021. So it's a little over a year old. 
December 23, 2021, and he says, What a different world we live in today compared to just two years ago. Sabbath services are restricted in some locations, and the threat of additional lockdowns means that uh, more members could be prevented from gathering together. Paul told the church in his day not to forsake the assembling together, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's from Hebrews 10. My father says, The day of Christ's return is rapidly approaching, yet Satan is fighting hard to prevent us from being able to follow that counsel, that counsel of coming together, fellowshipping often one with another, attending Sabbath services, and so on. He says, we must do all that we can to assemble together, and in instances where this is not possible, make extra effort to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's Philippians 2 and verse 12. And then he concludes with this. He says, strengthen your resolve in your daily spiritual uh, battle against the devil. We do this primarily through quality prayer and study and occasional fasting. It says, use these tools to strengthen your relationship with God. With God the Father and Jesus Christ, endeavor to study our materials more fervently taking advantage of the literature, the Key of David program, the Trumpet magazine, programming on KPCG, and all of our web resources. It says, finally, pour your heart into God's work more than ever. That's from his co-worker letter at the end of 2021. He mentions ways that we can really strengthen that confidence and have more boldness as a, as a, as a Christian soldier to really pour your heart into your prayers and to dig in to God's truth. I've referred to so many items that we offer free of charge without cost or obligation. This one here, great again from 2016. As I say, a great companion read to America Under Attack. And even, even together with that, you can add the United States and Britain in prophecy. Herbert Armstrong's master work on Bible prophecy, the prophecy in particular that pertains to the United States and Britain and those Commonwealth nations. That, uh, that, that Britain uh, raised up or colonized. So the 800 number, I better hurry, 1-866-930-3024. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. Thanks for joining us all week, and we'll see you next time.